Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. It is great to have you with us. As always, Richard Bayless with you. I'll be joined by some absolute legends on the pod as we discuss Champions League quarterfinals. Real Madrid 3, Liverpool 1. The 13-time holders were absolutely phenomenal. The seven-time champions, not so. Where to from here for the Reds and Jurgen Klopp. We'll also be joined by Kevin Musket, who was freezing his backside off with a beanie on high up in the stands alongside Mark Schwarzer as Manchester City narrowly beat Borussia Dortmund 2-1. We'll also discuss the remaining matchups this week, Chelsea against Porto and Bayern Munich at home to PSG. That and even little old Norwich get a run in the pod. Yeah, welcome once again to the Match Day edition of the pod. It's great to be with you and it's great to have these gents alongside me as well. Our sports editor, Dave Weiner. Hey, Dave. Morning. Our legends of the game, Thomas Sorensen and John Aloisi. Uh, Tommy, how are you? Good. Early uh, this morning, but uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, the clock's changing, Johnny. Not ideal. It feels like afternoon. That's how early we wake up. We've been no up one for here a few yet. hours. Yeah, I know. It's uh, but what a great morning. I, look, the, the first tie, well, first game of a tie is always unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen if it's the, the, the tie is going to be put to bed like we thought maybe with Manchester City, but both ties are wide open. Big time they are, and we mentioned the fact that it's early, and if you hear any chainsaws or planes or trains or whatever, we're outside here at Optus HQ just trying to wake ourselves up because of the wake-up time. No doubt you guys out there who watch the game, you understand that as well, given the commitment you show to your teams. I wonder how Liverpool fans are feeling today, Tommy, because 3-1 to Real Madrid, who were very good, all apart from maybe a five- or ten-minute spell at the start of the second half, were dominant the home side, and they're in a great position looking forward to the semis. Yeah, I think the worrying part for, for Liverpool and, and, and the fans is is the performance. I, th- I think they were well off the pace. Um, and I think Klopp really summed it up afterwards where he said, you know, you have to earn these, um, you know, earn a place in the, in the semi-final. Um, and obviously pointing at uh, the mistakes they made, um, the lack of potential effort, uh, maybe his own tactical uh, setup with with Keita in, in midfield that didn't work out, and then bringing on uh, Thiago just before half time. So I, th- I think a lot of things went wrong for for Liverpool this morning. And three one, you worry that it might be uh, a bit too much to overcome at Anfield. So the first goal, Vinicius Junior, who found a heap of space, he was great against Atalanta a few weeks ago. He was heavily involved. You could look at the first one, John, and say, well, it was poor defending. You know, they could have done a lot better, Liverpool. But the second one, Trent Alexander-Arnold, absolutely nowhere to hide because he squared the ball to Marco Asensio, who in great form was never going to not put it away. Yeah, Alexander-Arnold had a morning defensively that he would like to forget. On the first goal, you thought that he should have covered a lot better, especially when Cruz got his head up. And you could see the run of Vinicius. You, you, you could see it happening. It was happening from a mile away. And uh, and they didn't really uh, defend that well. The second one was 
poor defending because there, if you're unsure what's around you, just clear it. And um, he headed it right in the path of uh, Asensio. And then the third goal, you have to say, again, poor defending by Liverpool. And uh, you can't afford to give that space to a Vinicius who was in great form this morning. Yep, there's the plane going past. The first plane going overhead at Optus for some year and a half. So it's nice (laughs) to see uh, travel getting back or transport getting back to normal. And that will be the big talking point, won't it? Not planes, Dave. More the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold in this week or this couple of week period where it was such a big story, him not being picked for England at the weekend, his delivery for Jota's header against Arsenal, awesome. And everybody, including Jurgen Klopp, saying, well, that's the quality he brings. He should absolutely play for England. He has an absolute mare in this one. I'm wondering whether today is the day that might cost him his place on the plane to Euros. I know there's a long time to go and that he will have plenty of time to prove himself yet again, but it is the story in England. England legends rounded on Gareth Southgate uh, to a man up in the week before, um, probably simmering and then using the Arsenal game as evidence to say this kid has to be on the plane. He is our golden boy. He can do things no one else can. But Gareth Southgate uh, is going there to win the Euros with a defensive foundation. And he's got three players who have been there and done that for... Or two players that have been there and done that for him, Trippier and Walker, plus Reese James, who's proved himself to be a really pure right-back. And I wonder, guys, whether today we saw the part of Trent Alexander-Arnold where um, the questions are opening. I think fatigue was a reason too. I actually think it was a blessing in disguise, in theory, for him to be left behind um, in England and, and to have that time off because he's had injuries and COVID during the year. But I wonder whether today, and I'm going to ask you both and put you on the spot, does that cost him his ticket? to the Euros? I think you, you have to go by form. You know, yeah, we can all, we hold our hands up and say, what a great season he had, uh, you know, last year and everything else. Uh, but at the moment, he's not performing and, and, and you can't just say that one cross brings you back in, in the international lineup. And, and with so much competition, it, it has to obviously fall on someone not to go. And, and as it stands right now, again, like you said, there's still time, and, and he can still string, you know, a hell of uh, some performances together and make the squad. But right now, in my view, he's not in the squad. I don't want to be too critical of Alexander Arnold because I was this morning, and uh, and all season that he's made defensive errors. But you have to say that he hasn't had the help with two defenders mm. inside of him. He's had very inexperienced defenders, and and normally when they've got the experienced players, and you saw last season, he was brilliant, and he's got that uh, ability to go forward and getting great crosses. And then when he does get caught out defensively, he's got help and cover from experienced defenders. At the moment, he hasn't got that. And then it actually the spotlight is more on him. Phillips and Quebec actually had four clean sheets together before this game. Did we see in this one just that difference in quality? You're playing against the Real Madrid. This is their stage. They're playing at their training ground. Good familiar conditions for them. Those two guys, you know, they might get to that stage eventually, but they're not quite there at the moment, Thomas. No, it's it's tough on on, on young players, and and Quebec is obviously come to the club and um, he got substituted uh, you know today and uh, I think it was more uh, Nathaniel Phillips uh, that actually got called out at a few few times with uh, the communication with Trent Alexander uh, just that space in between those two wasn't covered um, and I think as well for the for the third goal um, it was a similar uh, just lack of communication, and that's inexperience. Uh, players who haven't played together for for a long time, and I, I agree with you, John. I think, you know, it's tough when when you're used to experienced centre halves 
potentially is bailing you out at times and, and you get away with with the um, the attacking prowess that Trent Alexander has and, and uh, now he's just been you yeah. know, exposed and, a little bit. And watching Liverpool live a few years back and seeing Van Dijk, the way he actually communicates and coaches on the pitch, see, he would have been screaming Alexander-Arnold in or, or Robinson in when they're getting caught out defensively. It, it, it's that organisation that they're lacking at the back. You've got two inexperienced centre-backs. Who's talking? Who's mm. communicating back there? And they did get caught out on a couple of occasions. And you know what else? And I think we went 15-odd minutes on the post-game show and now 7-odd uh, minutes here. Have we mentioned Zidane? And the reason why I bring that up is Madrid didn't have Varane or Ramos. So they had the same situation that Liverpool had with an inexperienced backline. And they didn't have Danny Carvajal. Uh, I, I will say, though, Militao and Nacho are a bit more experienced than the two Liverpool central defenders. They've been around a few years already. Nacho's played a lot of games in La Liga. Militao, a little bit younger. But Vazquez, not a right-back no, by trade. No. And Mendy, or Mundi, to use the, the French uh, pronunciation... Probably yet to really establish himself at the level too. So it's not like they're the formidable Real Madrid backline of old. No, no. And they defended really well this morning. And and you have to give credit to Zidane. A lot of people question Zidane. They question his tactical uh, knowledge and and, and, uh, what he's really like as a coach. I think he showed again this morning that he's a very, very good manager. And he you shouldn't underestimate what he's been able to achieve. He's won three Champions League titles. It doesn't matter which players he's got. He still needs to win them. And this morning, I think he tactically got it right, especially playing Vinicius. I think that was very switched on by Zidane. He knows that there's going to be that space in there. He didn't always track back Alexander-Arnold when he went forward. He stayed in those positions. So when they won the ball, he was their first outlet. And he caused Liverpool problems. That, that's what I wanted to ask in the sense that I think today was Zidane 1, Klopp 0 or Klopp, Zidane 3, Klopp 1 if you want to put it technically and not only the back line but the back line for Madrid was protected by the the midfield of the last 10 years and they came to the fore again today Zidane said before the game when you underestimate us, that's when we're at our best we always come back and here we are Brave to back against them to say they won't make the final. Yeah, Modric, Cruz and Casemiro, the amount of experience in there. And we've seen it the last few months. They've really lifted the team, haven't they? Uh, question for me, and, and by the way, this was Zidane's 50th game in the Champions League. He's won 31 of them and he's got three trophies. So for a guy that people tend to question or forget about, he's done okay. And recently <laughs> he's been linked a little bit. I think he knows what he's doing. It seems to me like he might. He might know. He's been linked with Juventus as well. And uh, well, might they go after someone of that pedigree? Uh, John, you mentioned the fact you saw Liverpool a couple of years ago at the semi-final stage in Barcelona they lost 3-0 you were at that game and you were there the next week when they won against Barcelona to turn it around they did score a goal this morning it has to be said Mo Salah after the break that could be huge in the context of an away goal you know if they win 2-0 next week they're through do you see it happening in the way that it happened a couple of years ago or was this performance this morning far more of a warning sign than we saw against Barca yeah, far more of a warning sign. It, it, when I was in Barcelona watching that game, it, it was a 3-0 game in terms of the, the scoreline, but the actual performance from Liverpool that night was, no, this is not over. This is definitely not over because they attacked and Mane was causing problems and Salah was... Uh, I can't remember if Salah was even playing because Mane was so good that game. I remember PK just like... He, he walked off the pitch going... What did we get away with there? And so you just knew that there was going to be something in that second leg. This morning, they didn't even have a shot 
at goal in the first half, which is unlike any Liverpool team that I've seen in the past few seasons. So XG in the first <laughs> half of Liverpool, 0.00. Now that, if you don't have a shot on target, that seems to make sense. But that is so rare, Thomas, for any side, let alone a Liverpool team, to not have something, you know, something from a corner or a deflected strike or someone in behind. They had literally nothing. And apart from that five or ten minute period in the second half, they were toothless. Yeah, they um, didn't offer anything. And, uh, you know, we were questioning at halftime, yeah, Salah wasn't getting on the ball. I think Mane looked frustrated. Um, again, there was a potential free kick um, which could have led to a chance before the second goal. Mane was was pushed, and uh, I think that was probably warranted. But yeah, really disappointing on so many levels. Um, you know, one thing is if you if you create chances and then you give away some silly goals at the back, but there was just nothing to to cheer about bar those you know five minutes in in a, at the start of the second half. The thing that surprised me was when I saw the lineup, and I thought it was very deliberate, Jota, very deliberate, Keita. I thought they're going to come out rock and roll. He's just going to come out here and go. We're going to get in the faces, and that midfield, you're just going to have a torrid time. And it looked like they were caught in between. We just didn't get. They might have pressed a little bit, but we didn't get that tempo and hysteria. And you get the sense looking at Klopp's body language, he was pretty cheesed off, to use a light version of what he was angry about, uh, about the way that went. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, nice PC version there from Dave Weiner. Cheesed off and Liverpool fans no doubt will be, although it's not yet over. 3-1 in favour of Real Madrid ahead of the second leg next Thursday morning Australian time. Also that morning, Manchester City away at Borussia Dortmund with a 2-1 advantage. It was tough for City against the German side who were not really fancied or favoured by anybody going into this one. Kevin Musket was there for us alongside Mark Schwartz. So the two Socceroos legends high up in the stands. And Musky, before we talk about the game, I have to ask you, just how many icicles do you have on you? Because you looked absolutely oh, yeah. freezing on the coverage this morning. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite fresh out there. And uh, without any feathers, uh, Rich, it's uh, a few <laughs> degrees cooler as well. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you you know played a lot of your professional football over there. Are you kind of just remembering what it was like, or do you think it's maybe got worse in the time since? No, it was uh, look. The conditions were the, the good. There was no wind, and obviously it wasn't raining. Uh, we had some snow, uh, a little bit of snow throughout the day. So the conditions for fractional football were okay. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a fresh night to say the least. <laughs> what did you think of the actual game? Because Manchester City one nil yeah. up in the first half, uh, Emre Chan giving the ball away in the centre circle. You know they yeah. looked like they might have gone on with it. They had a few opportunities, but a goal for Marco Royce within the final ten minutes looked like it was going to yeah. earn a share of the spoils. And it was only the ninetieth minute when Phil Foden popped up with the winner. What did you make of the game on the whole? 
I, I thought it was an outstanding game of football. Um, and uh, look, you can, you know, without the crowd and, and, and fans being in the stadium, you, you can obviously, you know, football's not the same without it, but you can really concentrate and focus. And it was a, a really good tactical battle. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, the way Dortmund set up and no one really gave them a chance coming into the game, but uh, they frustrated City for the, you know, uh, first 20 odd minutes. Uh, up until the goal, really. Um, but uh, even then, you know, they surrendered possession. They were comfortable in doing so and then trying to hit City on the break and, and created one or two openings. So it wasn't, uh, you know, one-way traffic, so to speak. And uh, as you said, you know, they conceded the goal uh, from really, uh, you know, against the run of play in terms of, you know, City having possession. It was actually Dortmund who were on the attack and uh, gave the ball away uh, very easily, to be honest. And, uh the quality in the front third uh, of uh, Man City just, uh, um, you know, torn to pieces in that instance and uh, uh, and got themselves ahead. Muskie, we've been uh, watching from afar Haaland and, and a lot yeah. of discussion this week has been about Haaland. Where's he going to go? Is he going to sign for Man City? Is he going to go to uh, the big two yeah. of either Real Madrid or Barcelona? What was it like yeah. watching him live? How, how, how was his movement and, and, you know, just his physical yeah. presence? Uh, what did it look like live? Yeah, you, you can, you, without doubt, uh, uh, John, you know, he's got undoubtable quality, um, you know, uh, taking into consideration um, tonight that he was really, you know, uh, up against the back four, if you like, on his own, and uh, chances were at a premium. Uh, a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of his uh, touches were to feet where, uh, you know, he had uh, Stones and Co., you know, being really aggressive with him. A couple of times, he, he just, uh, you know, balls over the top where he was trying to get onto him. He's really quick, actually. He's really quick. And there was one or two occasions where he just missed the, the timing or the ball was a little bit too uh, long for him. I, I was really impressed with him uh, without actually him having a, a massive impact on the game, if you like. Uh, but having said that, uh, he had two main moments for me. Uh, one was obviously in the equaliser where, he received the ball up Ellingham and, and, and uh, you know, for, for a big guy, he, he turned the ball, uh, uh, played it forward in, in one touch and it was perfectly weighted for the equaliser. Uh, and then he got a chance very soon after the uh, second half started and uh, uh, it was well saved, but uh, I suppose we, we were all waiting for him to hit the back of the net, uh, seeing the form that he's been in, especially uh, goal-scoring form in, in the Champions League. One of the best things to do, Muskie, when you're watching Manchester City live is to put player cam on Pep Guardiola for a little while because his mannerisms, a little bit like Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool, just so interesting to watch. We heard after the game, he was a little bit tetchy just in terms of the way he assessed the game. He clearly knows they're in a good position. What did you pick up on from him during the game as to what he thought of the performance and where they're at heading into next week? Was it, you know, certainly not as calm as what we've seen the last few weeks, right? No, uh, you're right, and uh, in, in, he made quite a few changes tonight to, to the team, and uh, the, the luxury, obviously, of having such a, a quality uh, squad and, and the depth that he has. Uh, you know, particularly the most animated he got uh, was obviously uh, uh, with Phil Foden in the second half. Uh, you know, he squandered uh, a couple of guilt edge uh, chances, if you like, and uh, you know there was some talk about maybe he should have come off instead of uh, Bernardo Silva. Uh, but uh, in the end, uh, uh, as uh, you know, all manage, good managers will do. He'll take credit for actually keeping him out there because uh, you know, as you mentioned at the top, uh, you know, Foden got 
the the equaliser and 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 uh, the the winner sorry in the ninetieth minute and the the ball that uh, uh, De Bruyne played it's uh, you know you could you could sit there and replay it and watch it uh, uh, a million times because he didn't have much. Uh, uh, space to hit. You know, he had to drop it so quickly after uh, beating the, the central defender and drop it uh, for, um, uh, for him to obviously uh, run onto it to, uh, and cut it back to, to Foden to score. It was a, a simply uh, fitting ball to, for any game to be the winner. Tiv, your sport for uh, players to watch there today, particularly in that midfield area, and I know you mentioned you were so impressed with Jude Bellingham, um, but to what extent, yeah. what role did he play to um, contribute to Dortmund's really impressive performance, brave performance, and the second youngest player ever yeah. to play at this level in the quarterfinals, do you think yeah. that's enough to give Gareth Southgate the confidence to take him, on the, take him over to the Euros as well? Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I... I uh Come to the game, you know, concentrating and, and watching him, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, all those things, the age and all that. But he just had a lot of maturity. And if you uh, think also, take into consideration, he was playing in the championship twelve months ago, uh, and for him to put in the performance, uh, uh, Dortmund set up with three midfielders uh, in uh, very, very narrow in front of their back four, uh, obviously trying to. Eliminate the space for you know silver coming off uh, and basically evened it up uh, so they wouldn't be overloaded uh, in that area. And he was the one actually uh, trying to get forward, and he's got a, a, a good presence about him. In, you know, for someone so young, you know, getting forward and uh, and uh, getting into the opposition box, but also getting back tactically and and understanding his role. Um, whether it's enough to get him into uh, the, the England team for the Euros, uh, time will tell. Because uh, there's there's uh, a serious competition for uh, for places in, in in his area of the park as well. So um, if this tournament is one too soon for him, uh, as I said, time will tell. It's an incredible luxury when you're 17 years of age and you don't need to be you know rushed into a squad like that for yeah. a tournament. Just uh, briefly, Kev, before we let you go and, and crack on with your evening, yep. no doubt you're trying to, to warm out. What was um, Schwartz's banter like? First time you've been on the sideline <laughs> with him for a little while, which is great to see you both. But I imagine he had the the dad jokes, you know, in full flow. No, he, he was my he was my partner tonight. So now that he's not with me, that you, you want me to throw him under the bus, <laughs> it'll be pretty unfair of me to do so. But uh, let's just say when uh, when I asked where the uh, tea and coffee were to try and warm up, Schwartz he pulled out his own flask from his own bag and poured <laughs> himself one. So uh, stock standard from the big fella. Uh, you're a better bloke than us, Kev, because we've been throwing him under the bus for years. But uh, <laughs> mate, we appreciate your time on the coverage yeah. and on the podcast. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, boys. Bye-bye. Thomas, I know from your perspective, you really want to see Manchester City win the four trophies because I believe on this podcast you predicted they would. Feeling a little bit nervous? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Mosquie, I think, summed it up really well how d- dominant, actually, at times Dortmund were. And I was really impressed. Um, you know, we were watching, obviously, the Liverpool game, but every time we looked over, Dortmund were attacking. Um, I thought they were brave. Um, so surprised actually um, how even that game was and I think City will look at it now and say oh, whoa we got away with one here we, we're you know we're 2-1 up taking it into to to the second leg um, because it you know it could quite easily have been there was obviously the disallowed goal in, in the first half yeah, yeah. Um, where, where I think Bellingham 
went through and and um, you know that, that, that was a, that was a pure mistake from the referee surely in disallowing that. Well, you, you know it's a mistake when two goalkeepers have said that it's not a foul and Thomas Sorensen <laughs> and I'm not saying Dave Weiner, I'm saying Mark Schwarzer. <laughs> Said it wasn't a foul, and and they they got it wrong, and then that, that that's disappointing for Dortmund because during that period they were actually on top. I thought the first half uh, Dortmund were probably the better side. You'd have to say they had the more chances than what City did. So disappointing for them. Is John saying I said it was a goal or that I'm not a goalkeeper? <laughs> which one? Which one? Don't, don't answer. I like it too much, John. Don't answer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Just very quickly on on Manchester City. Now it's taken me what 22 odd minutes uh, to mention them in this podcast, but they've got leads this weekend. <laughs> Uh, I you going to mention Leeds. Well, nothing to do with Leeds' quality. It's more about the type of game they'll get because, Dave, they're going to run a lot this weekend. So, yes, he can rotate players in and out. It's quite the luxury for Pep Guardiola. The last thing he wants is tired bodies on Sunday and Monday. The last five teams, by the way, to have played Leeds United and then go and play the next team have lost. It's true, but let's think about what he can do. He can play Aguero, Torres and Sterling up front. Yeah. And he can play. I mean, I can't think of who else. Uh, he, Fernandinho, Fernandinho, can he play today? So already you've he got can a change his, straight. He can change his back four yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think Leeds will run them ragged. And his goalkeeper. <laughs> but you know what? They've got the breathing space in the league. I think he almost will see wholesale changes and it's still going to be a cracking game. And you know what? If they're struggling, guess what he's going to have? The luxury of a guy like Kevin De Bruyne, who against Leicester broke them down with two of the best passes you'll ever see. And today when the game was on the line... Let's, let, let's talk about the Bruyne because if they want to win the quadruple that Thomas thinks that they can, you need him in top form. And this last month, he is back in top form. I, I, I love watching him, especially that first goal. Don't underestimate how they won the ball back and then he skipped past the player in the, in the midfield and then he got on the end of it again. I think he was brilliant and they need him to be in that form if they're going to win the quadruple. Well, now that you spell it out like that, that the last four goals, he has... Been instrumental in literally getting them over the line. He is unbelievable, and uh, as you said, since that injury, a couple of weeks to come back. Now he's at the very, very top. Yep, of his game. more than happy for Pep to rest him this weekend, and he, you know, keeps him on ice for next week against Dortmund. Let's look forward to the final two first quarterfinal legs of whatever I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I think uh, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, what a confusing medium these podcasts are. Let's talk first of, all, first of all about Bayern Munich and PSG. No Robert Lewandowski, we know for Bayern Munich. That's a big out. Your old club mate, if you like, Ero Chupamoting, Eric Chupamoting, Stoke City legend, probably second only behind you, I would say, Thomas, in terms of legends on, from Stoke-on-Trent. He might be up front, is that a big enough loss for PSG, for Bayern Munich against the PSG that have been pretty up and down all season? It depends on what service he can get. Um, you know, you know, he can still finish it, and and he showed as well, um, you know, of late that that he can score. Um, he has got obviously the same uh, quality and awareness and and everything else than that that Lewandowski. And it depends on how they're gonna shuffle the cards. Uh, you know, again, Muller. They can play a little bit Man City as well with a rotating front three instead of having a cheaper Moting as, as a sort of a focal point. You know, they are a great side uh, and they're going to cause problems. Um, and, um, you know, the back four of, of um, PSG, they have to be switched on um, full full 90, I think. If Surgeon Gnabry is free, do you think there's a temptation that we'll play the roving four that you just mentioned? Because Pochettino mentioned in his press conference before the game, Bayern's high line. That, to me, feels like that's going to be one of the stories of the game with, with Neymar and Mbappe trying to exploit that. And to what extent does 
that press from the other end of the field that Lewandowski leads um, get affected if you've got a different type of striker like Trooper Moting in there? Yeah, look, I'm not sure which way he's going to lean towards, but um, and, and no matter who's playing, they'll still press high up the pitch by Munich because that's the way they play. And uh, they've still got enough quality, not only up front, but in the midfield. And they haven't only got goals from Lewandowski. They've got goals all over the park. And uh, he would be a big loss. But I'm, I'm really questioning PSG. Mm. You know, mm. uh, how good have they been this season? That one performance against Barcelona uh, at the new Camp was probably their best performance under Pochettino. They got completely outplayed when they went back to Paris. And then again on the weekend, they lost to Lille. So they could lose the title this year. Well, at the moment, it looks like they are going to mm. lose the title. Yeah, three points behind Lille in a league where PSG just do not lose it if the last decade is anything to go by. This is the Eric Chupo Moting derby or the Kingsley Coman derby. Of course, it was him, the former PSG. PSG player that popped up in the final four by Munich to win it in that 1-0 triumph in Lisbon a few months back. Elsewhere tomorrow morning, Porto at home to Chelsea. A few days ago, you would have said, well, Chelsea, pretty fortunate draw, really. Maybe they got the weakest of the eight remaining sides. Uh, then they go and ship five to, of all teams, West Brom. Dave, how are you feeling as a Blues supporter? Oh, I, I still can't believe what happened on Saturday night. Um, and I just hope it is an aberration. Maybe the international break getting thrown together. The, you know, the players uh, didn't quite have the cohesion. I, I, I don't know. And I know there's been a lot of talk about maybe Tuchel's change when they went down to 10 men with Thiago Silva, who um, maybe it was a bit too conservative and then and then all things went pear-shaped. Anyway, hope that goes out the window. Um, and I hope that the dress rehearsal against Atletico Madrid prepares Chelsea well for this Porto game where you think it will be quite a similar kind of occasion. So no Oliveira and no Tarami, the two top scorers for Porto. We mentioned the fact that they're outsiders. They're miles behind in the Portuguese league. If Chelsea managed to blow this one, Thomas, then the Thomas Tuchel reign, which has started so positively, could really fall in a heap overnight, couldn't it? Because there's no excuse for them not to get through to the semi-final. No, and that's the thing. You know, you, you get dealt on paper the best draw, uh, but that could, with that comes, <laughs> comes the pressure and... Uh, the result at the weekend, I think, has turned this on its head a little bit. Um, a few players being out for Porto. You know, it all sort of adds to it. And, um, you know, again, I, I agree with you, Rich. I think, you know, he needs to win this leg, get in the semi-final, uh, because otherwise it, it can turn very quickly and, and um, questions will be asked straight away. Yeah, you're right. They'll forgive him if he loses in the semi-final. But not if he loses this game or this tie against Porto, because I think that's a, yeah. Then then he's 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 behind the eight ball already coming into next season. Then what's interesting, Thomas, and we spoke about it uh, this morning about uh, the, the impact that uh, a loss might happen, or what might have on the side, but on Tuchel. And there was already a, a clash between Rudiger and uh, Kepa in training, and and Tuchel sent uh, Rudiger in. How does that get out? How, how did that leak out into the media? Did, it, did they want it to leak out into the media? It's it's an interesting... There have been leaks at Chelsea for quite a while. What a, yeah. dress, what a yeah. dressing room that is. Seriously, yeah. 14 games in, you lose one, and already the leaks are coming out into the press. Ah, it's great. <laughs> it's brilliant. From a neutral's point of view, this is what you want. You want that little bit of intrigue. They've got a great squad. They've got a great manager. It can't all be perfect. That's what football is about. Uh, just briefly, before we finish up, uh, Champions League done and dusted for one day. Who wants to discuss the Champions Championship because what about this for a result this morning? Norwich seven, 
Huddersfield nil and the Canaries will more than likely be confirmed as champions, confirmed as promoted as early as this weekend. For a club that's a, a yo-yo club, if you like, Thomas, we know them in West Brom, they almost prefer to go up and down because financially there's a benefit to it. If you're a Canaries fan sitting there, why is this any different from any other season? Because two years ago they did something similar. Oh, but you get to celebrate a, a championship every two years. <laughs> you know, who, who doesn't want that? Um, but how hard is it? it it's not oh. easy to go down and then go straight back up. No, no, for sure. Uh, you know, and, and so many clubs have failed. You know, I've, you know, I've you know, got two, two of my former clubs, Stoke City and, and Sunderland. You know, look where they are now. And, and uh, you know, because you, you, you know, if you can keep the group, the core players and you can keep the culture. And I think that's where Norwich have done really well. You know, just keeping that you know, thing going. Keeping the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all those things. Yeah. Because you, you see breakups and, and then if, you know, five, six players leave because they want to play in the Premier League at the highest level and and suddenly, uh, you know, you, you sort of even yourself up with the rest of the... Is that where Sheffield United jumped the gun on getting rid of Chris Wilder? Well, they seem more likely to do a Sunderland rather than a Norwich, don't yeah. they, in terms of the, the air around that club? You know, I was at their celebration two years ago, Norwich, when they were confirmed as up. And, uh, you were know, you there with Delia Smith, the chef? She was around, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sing it. Let's be having you, yeah. Well, you know, as a, as a disgruntled Leeds fan that just 24 hours saw my team fall in an absolute heap, to be amongst the Norwich fans was a little bit depressing, but it was really cool to actually feed off their energy. And they were all saying, no, this is different. This is not like the other promotions because with Daniel Farker and there's a movement, young players, it's not just old school championship players. That didn't go to plan on the first occasion. They went straight back down. But with Emi Buendia, uh, Timu Puki doing well, Todd Cantwell, you know, who knows, Dave? Maybe they can be the side. And with Watford, uh, Brentford, Swansea, Barnley, Barnsley, Reading and Bournemouth all there as well, it's still a lot to play for. But the Canaries just way too good. So I was just going to say, it's good, and it's good to see that uh, what happens when you give a manager that kind of mandate. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to say I watch every weekend of the of the championship, but what it is nice to see is that they might have learnt their lessons and come up and be a little bit more mature. The players are more mature. Farker might be a bit more mature with his tactics, and maybe they can hold on for a couple of years, and 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 that'd be great to see because they were good fun to watch for a lot of last season. They just didn't have, they couldn't sustain it. Final question from the pod for you. Having used the phrase cheesed off earlier on, did you feel a little bit of guilt there when you said Daniel Farker's name? <laughs> you saw me hesitate, didn't you? <laughs> I'm hesitating. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll all have that problem. Have been. I'm looking at the clock here, and anything over 30 minutes goes in the gagging pod. That's a new rule. So exactly, we're fine. yeah. No, that'll be cut out, except the, the lols for, from Dave Weiner on the podcast. We are out of time. We'll have another edition of the Match Day pod after the next quarterfinal first legs. Uh, tomorrow should be fascinating, as always. Uh, Dave, Thomas, and Johnny, always an absolute pleasure. Gents, and for you guys out there listening, hope you've enjoyed it. Between now and the next Gagan Pod. Make sure you enjoy your football. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.